Beyond the Ball, fueling your faith and family through sport. Welcome to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Beyond the Ball. Be sure to check out these other coaching-focused podcasts on the Hoopheads Pod Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. You can also check out our NBA podcasts, Knock a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Cavalier Central, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At the Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Guys, welcome back. It is Beyond the Ball podcast with Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gerstung here. You guys, um, we got a really special guest tonight. Coach Klump, we got a great guest coming on tonight. And I'm really excited to talk to you. We're like live, you know, a couple days out from these shows dropping to everybody that's listening. Actually got an opportunity to talk to some people that I haven't seen in a while uh, because we're back to going to church in person. Mm-hmm. And we got some people in our congregation that listen to us, which awesome is kind of nice to walk into that today. Um, so it's kind of cool that, you know, these are these are dropping fairly uh, recent, you know, that we're talking about current events and not necessarily a couple of weeks out, but enough of me talking. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. And, you know, think um, just like on the same concept, I've had a couple of students in, in school come up to me and say, hey, coach, I listened to this one or I listened to that one. And I was just really blown away. So, you know, we're serving people, we're touching people's lives. And that's what it's all about. Absolutely. And it's exciting to hear that, you know, some of your student athletes are listening because I think tonight's guest is going to serve them maybe more than a coach, you know, um, and typically we have coaches on that, you know, are helping more of the adults. Um, but I think this episode might help more of our student athletes that are listening than anybody else. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we can give them something to think about and serve them to the best of our ability. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Anthony's been um, putting stuff out on social media and, you know, I've been, I've been following his stuff pretty closely since he, he was with our, uh, spearhead our hoops head pod and uh you know he's putting together quite a little business as a young entrepreneur getting the clockwork skills working and working with probably many aau players um now that it's that aau season now coach um you've got a son um that's now pretty much at that age where he's going to be involved in the aau circuit now what were some important things as as you being a coach a varsity coach and him getting into this age where it's going to be very very important to find the right team and the right system what were some things that were going through your head as a coach when you were trying to find where you wanted your son to play oh man there's so there's so many that's such a great question i appreciate you looking to me for some insight on this. And I'm, I'm no expert by any stretch of the imagination, but like you said, um, I am a high school coach, you know, and there's always this conversation about high school coaches versus like travel ball coaches and whether or not they really coexist, right? Can coexist because, you know, the high school coach typically is all about their program, off-summer workouts, our system, 
And a travel ball is a, a new thing that's becoming crazy, both positive and, and negative as we, you know, if you're scrolling through social media at all, you see that there was a shooting at an AAU event in Ohio, you know, within this last week, which is just mm. bananas to me, right? Yeah. So I think that's a very timely question for you to ask. And, you know, there's just always this misconception that the two programs can't coexist. And, you know, I just feel that it all depends on what you're looking for out of the experience, you know, and so many travel programs um, are out there for both males and females. You know, you mentioned my son, Ben, and he's been into it a little bit more, um, more frequently, more consistently at an earlier age, but my daughters are, are trying it out this year as well. Mm -hmm. And so, I think when, you know, getting an AAU program together or looking for a team, I kind of wanted to be involved anyway, because I'm a hoops junkie. So part of my thing was, yes, for my son, but also for me a little bit, because I wanted to get into that world as a coach, mm-hmm. um, just, to, just to experience it and to see what it's all about. So, you know, part of looking at what program to join was was about that, but in terms of my athletes, my children that are athletes, our objective is not my wife and I, when I say our objective, my wife and I's objective is not necessarily to create or find a program to get our kids division one scholarships. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that is that is not our plan. And I know that there are some programs designed to do that and they have a little bit of a different business model. Um but that is not where we're at. Our kids are in a lot of different activities. You know, they like a lot of different things, dancing, other sports, so on and so forth. And so for our family, again, it's a personal decision. It really boiled down to what we wanted out of the experience. And so number one, it was getting in a bigger pool um, of competition. You know, our kids all go to a smaller school. Right, you know, being the coach's kid, he's going to get everything I would give my athletes anyway. Um, But I wanted them to get outside the bubble and see what else is out there. And, you know, if they're into it, start to push themselves. Um, If they're not as into it, you know, more participation rather than performance, you know, maybe they just kind of enjoy it and figure out that that's not exactly what they want to do. They'll play for school, but that's enough for them, you know. So just giving them that opportunity to figure that out Um, was number one. So bigger competition pool. Number two, I would say is I just want them to meet other people um, outside of our school district and just broaden their horizons. Yeah, great approach. You know, and, and just to do that then, I needed to find a program that I felt comfortable was doing that, that was inclusive, you know, to everybody, not just the best athlete, you know, not necessarily a cut program, although I wouldn't be against that necessarily, where they make cuts and, you know, you got to compete to be on the team. There is value in that 100%. Um, But more so about finding a program where the leadership was about player development Um, And number two, it was about creating relationships because you don't know when these kids grow up, especially in this day and age with technology, you know, these, they might meet somebody that they might have never been friends with before. And now because of their phones and their different apps and stuff, you know, they can keep in contact and that just might lead to future relationships that they may have never had before. So 
those were the two biggest. And then number three, I just want them to play and have fun, um, you know, and, and get reps, get reps, hear a different voice um, other than just mine in the driveway, you know, or in the gym and just get reps and play basketball. And if, you know, take the lessons as they come. If you win, figure out ha- how to handle winning like a champion. And if you lose, figure out how to lose like a champion. So those are kind of my three biggest things. Um, and that's why, you know, on a previous episode, we had Mick and Melissa Kaburka with the Buffalo Titans. Right. You know, there's tons of great programs in Western New York, tons of them. Um, so, but I'm obviously biased to them because that's who we work with. But um, that's why we settled on the Buffalo Titans. Um kind of out of convenience we didn't really know and we kind of stumbled onto them but when we went to their tryout and, and i had a chance to really get to know them uh they met every criteria that we wanted um and that that's kind of how we we progressed in that vein i know you and i have coached a little aau with our teams in the past is that kind of your approach or yeah, was that and, and your I mean- approach well, yeah, absolutely. We just wanted to give them a little bit more exposure to to getting them out of the small schools and onto a, a larger stage where they're going to be coming up with uh, playing against competition where where they see is like, oh, OK, all right, I need to pick my game up. I need to get uncomfortable to, to really push myself and take my game to the next level. And really what you said about um, finding those relationships and creating those relationships. Uh, I know many of our guys, they still contact me. Um, they still contact each other. They play, you know, uh, at the park together. Um, they're, they're in each other's weddings. They're always hanging out. So to see those relationships formed through the game, it's kind of like this podcast here um, and how the game's serving um, so many people throughout the world. Yeah, I think uh, one of the, our fondest memories, my fondest memories, is actually being out of town at a tournament with you and some of our players and your players playing together, yeah. you know, and just like not even the games, but like at night going yeah, to just the hanging movies out. and just mm-hmm. hanging out and talking. Yeah. Those are some, those are some fun times making those connections. It's so good. I think that's what we're, we're definitely in it for. Um, so that, Hey, great question. I don't want to hold this up too long. So let's uh, jump to a little bit of the word. What do you got for us? Today? All right. Proverbs three, four, five, and six. Um, just very simply, one of my favorites is, in all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. And you know, it's, it's so reassuring, um, but it, it's so true. And, and many times it, it, it takes individuals in this material world to go through some struggle and some hardship and, and sometimes maybe hit rock bottom. And then they, and then they submit. Uh, to all his ways and they'll see that all the greatness that he has in store for us but like it's just so reassuring to just kind of like all right relax you know he's got this gracious plan for you just submit yourself talk to him he knows what you want he knows um what your where your heart lies so that was where that's where i went for this week yeah i and that's i love proverbs i mean pretty much anything in there Mm, is applicable daily right and so i just was reading the other day that aligns with that perfectly about, you know, the plan is in place, you know, God's got your, is your, your light and your shield, you know, he's providing the way and he's giving you the protection and he's allowing for all the grace that you need if you're walking in, in the path. Right. And Mm -hmm. it's just such a, if you just do your best to follow uh, your heart, which should be connected to his plan. I think things typically turn out 
the best way possible. And I, you know, I, I'm kind of stuttering over my words here a little bit because there's been a lot this week uh, in terms of life decisions for, for our family, like bigger things with my mm-hmm. oldest daughter. And uh, we just keep reminding her that, you know, this thing is just a work in progress, like every single day, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's not, it's not a finished product that one, one decision today is not going to, you know, necessarily disrupt everything down the line. It's all yeah. connected. That's for sure. You know, and your decisions definitely have consequences, but you know, we got to keep making the best decision we can with the information we yeah. have. And so lean into him, lean yeah, into him. Yeah. And just rely on that faith a little bit. So, uh, so good. Um, so good. I appreciate those words from you Anytime. Ready to talk. every week. Yes. Yeah. I'm ready to talk to, to coach Pew. Um, so we're going to get out, have a little bit of a advertisement here. When we come back, uh, we'll co- have coach Anthony Pew with us. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Guys, we are back with Beyond the Ball podcast, and we are joined on this episode by a really uh, inspirational young trainer that Coach and I have been, you know, following on social media a little bit, really loving what he's doing with his YouTube channel, slowly growing anything, Coach Anthony Pugh. Coach, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. Yeah, anytime, Coach. Again, Anthony, thanks for coming on Beyond the Ball. And you know what? Our mission statement here on this podcast is to celebrate those that are using the game to serve others and, you know, looking at what you're doing. That's exactly what you are all about. So first of all, we want to celebrate you. And again, thanks for coming on. But tell us a little bit about your mission statement with your business. I mean, it's pretty much just you, right? Yep. Yeah, it's just me. So honestly, I've actually, it's funny you asked me that. I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. You know, when people ask me my approach on, you know, player development, things like that, but just what I want, you know, Clockwork Athletics, that company to stand for. Cause at the end of the day, obviously I'm the owner, the founder, all that, but I want it to, you know, stand alone. And I always tell people that I believe that I have two passions in life. Um, obviously outside the obvious of, you know, family, my faith, things like that. And that's basketball and helping people. So I think my path, you know, from day one has always been, you know, you're going to be a coach. And that's why I wasn't really sure which way I was going to go in terms of I was going to be, you know, on the sideline as a coach, if I was going to be, you know, doing what I'm currently doing, you know, as an independent guy and as, you know, as a trainer. But I think as far as a mission statement goes, I would just think that, you know, help as many players as possible and, you know, make them uh, not only great basketball players, but great people. Coach, that is some powerful stuff. Coach Klump, I think we 
definitely found the right guest for this podcast. <laughs> Listening of to, that, to that statement right That's there. That's why we um, needed to get him on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Coach, I'm going to just rewind the clock a little bit um, because obviously you just said your, your two passions are helping people in basketball. Where do you, because I feel like Coach Klump and I are very similar in our approaches um, to, to serving other people, love for the game, things of that nature. Have you always had that? Like, was there a distinct moment where you said, this is it? Or has this just been like a foundational experience, you know, several small decisions leading up to this, this bigger outcome? What, what would your, what would you say your path in that respect has been into developing your approach right now? I think it was something from, you know, ever since I stood, I picked up a ball. I mean, I think that when I was little, I think I really, really wanted to not only, you know, become the best version of myself, but I think I wanted to help other people become the best versions of themselves. And, and what I mean by that is when I was in the, you know, the fifth grade, I was a coach on the court, you know, and I know we hear that all the time about, you know, point guards should be coaches on the floor, they're at extension, you know, and that's all great. That's a lot of coaches speak, you know what I mean? But in my case, I was literally, I mean, I would tell guys, hey, you know, on this play, you got to do this or, you know, on this, on this um, press, you got to be here, not there. And uh, in practice, I was always real vocal. And and I think that started with my leadership. You know, I've, I've never, ever, ever been one to follow. I don't think I, I have no problem with people that do, you know, we, we need people to be followers, just like we need people to be leaders. But I think that started with me at a young age of just wanting, wanting to be in control. I honestly think that's what it was of, you know, cause I saw the bigger picture for not only myself, but for other people. And I think that that started, like I said, when I was literally in you know first grade second grade just trying to you know drawing plays on napkins you know with my dad and you know just <laughs> talking basketball and you know just, it was just one of them things where I've literally known you know one thing my entire life and, and that's basketball and I was actually having a conversation with someone the other day about that and they were laughing because they're like you didn't get involved you know in anything like you know a club and call it you know I'm like I literally <laughs> know basketball you know, and and sometimes like you could go, oh, that's, you know, you should be, you know, more diverse and, you know, try different things. And, and that's great, but that's not me. You know, I'm, I'm all in on, on basketball. And, 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 and I think, I, like I said, I think sometimes it's almost like one of them things where I'm like so engaged in it. It's like an obsession. And that's why when I tell players that I'm working with now, it's like, if, if you guys want to be great, you got to be obsessed with it. I mean, maybe not as obsessed with it as I am or, you know, other people are, but you have to really, really love it and really, really want to do it. And that's why, you know, when I was in the first grade, my dad wasn't begging, you know, me to go to the gym. I was begging my dad to wake up, you know, at 5 a.m. and bring me to the gym. <laughs> you know, it was one of them things where you had to tell me to leave the gym. So I think that when it, when it started, I think it started, you know, ever, literally ever since I could remember. Yeah, and I'm going to just follow up. There's so many different aspects and facets I want to take from that statement. So if, if we're talking to high school age kids, Coach and I are both, you know, middle middle school, high school teachers, educators, high school level coaches. You know, we see that passion in some of our athletes. And we have a lot of kids that say, athletes that say they want to play at the next level. What did that path look like for you specifically 
you know, in your prep years. So you said you knew at a young age exactly what you wanted that to look like. But does that grind, air quotes, right, grind, I don't know if I love that word, but that's what everybody uses. Did that, st- that probably didn't start in first grade other than just getting to the gym. But as you got into JV, high school, varsity level competition, what did, like, if you could give us like three things maybe, if we can narrow it down that much to that you did to get to that next level, how did that, how did that process play out for you? I think number one, it's, it's work ethic. I mean, I, I don't know anybody that's ever done anything great, you know, that didn't work their butt off, you know? So I think that would be my number one. And as far as that goes, I'll give you like a couple bullet points on each. I think that that was me, you know, going to the gym at 5 a.m., you know, and then, you know, shooting a thousand shots, you know, and then taking a shower, you know, in our locker room that didn't have hot water. <laughs> you know, I was taking freezing cold showers every morning um, and then, you know, going to school and then after school, obviously having practice and then after practice, you know, staying after and getting another thousand shots up. So I think obviously number one would be, you know, work ethic. I don't think you could go anywhere, you know, or accomplish anything great without it. Um and then honestly, I would think number two, you got to be passionate about it. I was having a conversation with one of my players that I work with today, and we were talking about, you know, how you see a lot of players that they may have talent, but they don't really love it. You know, they may love the attention that comes with being a good player. They may love the, you know, the social status of being a good player, but they don't love to play, you know, because when you love to play and you're passionate about it, it's easy to go to the gym, you know, at 5 a.m. It's easy to wake up because you love it. You know, uh, it's not, you're no one's making you because you want to be there. And I think that that's not a problem, but I think that's something that a lot of kids run into is you don't see that many players that truly love to play, you know. And then lastly, I would honestly say, and it kind of goes with work ethic, but it's the it's the commitment. I mean, it, it's not, it's not, you know, I'm going to work hard for a week and then take a week off. Or I'm going to work hard for a month and then take, you know, a couple of days. It's a consistent year-round you know, at least in my case, thing where you're working and maybe some months are, you know, less, you know, maybe you're only in the gym for, you know, an hour, maybe you only have one workout one day, but then in the summer, maybe you have two or three, you know, I, I, everyone's different, but I just think that the idea of, you know, I'm going to work hard for this long and then I'm going to take a couple, couple weeks, couple months, you know, like that's just not a thing. You should take care of yourself, take care of your body. That's very, very important. But with that being said, you know, there's some days where you may not feel good, but you got to go to the gym. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's days where oh, I'm a little sore. Ah, it's okay. I'm just going to, I'll just take today off. Like those, are the, those days are the separators. I tell players all the time, the days you don't feel like working out are the days you should work the hardest because that's a test. You know what I mean? So I just think that when, it, if I had to narrow it down to three, it would be the work ethic, the passion to love it. And you know, the commitment to, to being great and to working on your game every day. Yeah, coach. Thank. Yeah, just wonderful stuff. Thanks for asking. So, where my where my mind went for the next question was, uh, you know, what's the conversation like with um, in a player development session when you know right away you can you can sense where a young man or a young girl that you're working with just doesn't have any of these characteristics. Honestly, so I I. In my case, and I'll be completely honest with you guys, I, I don't work with everyone. And, and what I mean by that is I'm, I can't invest everything I have into you 
for you not to either be willing to invest in yourself or just not want to invest in yourself. Growing up as a player, I had you know coaches that invested so much in me, and they expected the same. So now, as a coach, you know, in their shoes, I see where they're coming from. So, for example, you know, I, I'm a big fan of obviously you got to be positive, you got to encourage these players, especially if they're younger. But at the end of the day, I'm not a cheerleader. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna say, "Come on, come on," you know, you got to try today. I, I'm not, I'm not there to do that. I'm here to help you become a better basketball player. So at the end of the day. I think, you know, if you're having a bad day, that's one thing. If you have a couple bad days, you know, that's another thing. But if it's a if it's a continuous, you know, week after week after week and you're coming in with that same attitude, that's one thing where we have a conversation where here's the deal. You either change or you just don't come back. And and that's no hard feelings. And I've had conversations with parents. They I'll say, you know, hey, you know, so and so they're just not really I don't think we fit and you know oh what you know they'll give me the what do you mean what do you mean and I'll be like I just think that they they don't fit with how I want to run things and, and how I operate so I just think it's best that you know maybe you take them you know somewhere else or you know maybe we look at other options you know because if their attitude doesn't change then I, I don't know you know what you want me to do and, and I think that in this case I've had people go Okay, and then I don't see them. I've had people though go, okay, well, you know, let let, 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 let talk to them. You know, let's let's see what we could do here. And I'll tell the player, hey, listen, we're gonna go next week. If your attitude doesn't change, you know, this is gonna end. And they come next week and they work harder. You know what I mean? So I think it's just that thing where you gotta be honest with kids. I'm not one to kiss people's butt. I don't care how I don't care how good you are, how bad you are. You gotta show up and you gotta work. If you're not willing to do that then, like I said, we're just not going to be a good fit. So, Coach, I'm going to play off of that a little bit. And obviously those those tough conversations, you know, are, are something that are so powerful if handled correctly. You said going back to the your earliest days as a player, you knew you kind of wanted to be in control, players, coach type of thing. Were you able to have those conversations with your teammates back then because i feel like some of our issues you know coaching at the prep level with high school athletes is that we have athletes that are really good kids you know a lot of schools have a lot of really good kids that play on the team but they're not necessarily great leaders they don't want to like have that tough conversation with their buddies you know, to make the team better. So were you always willing to have that conversation? Did you develop into that? Um, how did that look for you growing up? Have you always been able to just do that? You know, what's funny is, yes. I mean, I, I've i never had a problem, te- you know, to this day, I've never had a problem telling anyone in in the most respectful way possible. You know, I'm not trying to say I'm, you know, ignorant because my parents raised me better. I'm very respectful, but I'm also not afraid to, you know, tell you sure. the truth. And, and now I think kids need that more than ever. So it's one of them things when I was in school, I remember I used to get, you know, in fights with my friends, you know, I'd have my best friend and I would be like, Hey, you, where are you at on that rotation? <laughs> you know, what are you doing? You know, like, come on. And he'd be like, Oh man, come on. I'd be like, no, like we just gave up a layup. What are you doing? You know? And it'd be one of those things where we would leave the court and usually we left it on the court. You know, I, I had friends that, you know, I was able to have those conversations with because of the relationship that we built prior to, which I think is very important. Uh, you know, if you don't know somebody, 
and then you just kind of come at them and you know try to yell at them, quote unquote, mm-hmm. then they're going to kind of look at you like you don't know me, but my friends know you know how much I love them and how, what I would do for them. I would do anything for them, so they know that when I have that tough conversation, I'm coming from a good place. You know, it's a place of you know just wanting us to be better. So I've never had a problem, you know, telling people what they need to be doing and where they need to be doing. With that being said, I've also never had a problem of telling, you know, or receiving that same treatment. You know what I mean? If if I'm not doing something, I want somebody to say, "Hey, what are you doing?" You know what I mean? I I want to be told. I played I played for a high school coach who was extremely hard on me. And and I mean that just because he wanted the best out of me. And I think that's partly where I get, you know, my attitude today in terms of, you know, that tough love. And I used to have the newspaper after games ask me, hey, how did you handle him screaming at you like that? You know, at at that timeout or, you know, at that, you know, that uh, jump or that dead ball. Like, how did you handle that? And I would always say the same thing. I know how much, you know, he loves me and what he would do for me. So in the heat of the moment, I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. And he knew from the relationship we built that I would be able to take that and to be able to go, okay, you know, I need to be better. So I think it's it all stems back to that original relationship um, that you have to build. If you can't if you don't build that relationship, then your you know, your words and your criticism is gonna be empty. And that goes back to the quote that I love, you know. Players don't know how much you or don't care about how much you know. They they care about you know how whatever you guys know what I mean. Whatever that quote. Yeah. Is. <laughs> they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's what it is. Um. Yeah. But yeah. So like that goes. I always think of that in the back of my head. And so if you're, you have to be willing to lay that you know lay lay that brick and lay that foundation ahead of time before you're just gonna you know start criticizing people. At least in my opinion and in my experience. Yeah, coach. So. And I love that because I feel like I was very similar when I was a player, you know, trying to, I, the passion was clearly there like this. Eric and I actually were, were opponents in high school as well. We competed against each other and you could just tell who those guys were on the other team and on your team to have that conversation. So here's my follow-up to that. When you are making those connections with people and you are trying to be successful in play to the highest level that you can, not necessarily level in college, but, you know, just fulfillment of your own personal gain. What's that? What's the outside of that look like? Or did that look like for you in terms of like the social aspect? Like, was your inner circle like super big? Did it have only a few people? Were you a social butterfly? You know, because I'm trying to think back to my days and think back, Eric and I have both had some professional athletes come through our program. There just seemed to be a little bit of a different approach when, you know, handling social situations. What was that like for you? I think, see, I think that's tough because I think I almost had two different circles. I think I had, you know, my, my own basketball, um, you know, athletic circle And then I think I had, you know, my friend circle because at the end of the day, you know, I was a kid, you know, I I went to prom, I went to homecoming, I went to the dances, I went to parties with my friends. I did all that. I mean, not as much as probably a normal, you know, high school kid did because that's not really anything that, you know, I was into. But I think as I get older, it's funny because 
my circle of people gets smaller and smaller. If I saw a quote the other day and it was like, if people aren't adding value to your life, then why are they in your life? You know, like if they're not adding, you know, it's with income, inspiration, you know, ideas, creativity, if they're not adding any of that, then why are they in your life? And that really actually kind of hit me hard. And it was one of the things where I was like scrolling through Instagram and I randomly saw it and I was like, wow, it's, you know, it's 9am and you kind of have me thinking about my life right now. But um, it's one of the things where I think my circle has always been small. It's never been big. As far as, you know, being a social butterfly, not really, because I was always the guy that, hey, you want to go to this party? I can't. I have a workout tomorrow at 6 a.m. <laughs> you know, hey, do you want to come and, you know, sleep over? I can't. I have to be at the gym at 6 a.m. You know, and I would never, and to this day, you know, A, anyone will testify for me, and B, you know, I still do it. I will never miss a workout or anything like that because of a, you know, a late night out. You know what I mean? So it's one of them things where I think my circle, you know, to kind of come back to your question, it's small. Um, it, it always has been. And I, I'm, I'm assuming it always will be. Awesome stuff. So, Anthony, wh- what part um, in your life and that tra- did you try start making that transition from, OK, my, my, my time here playing the game, I love it, but I think I could – add a lot more value and I just I would just want to add more value to others by being a player development coach when did when did that all happen I think that happened my my freshman year at Robert Morris and um in college I I was a walk-on um I you know obviously I was you know one of if not the hardest worker on the team and I think you know my teammates were vouch for that uh I actually became best friends with our starting point guard so, you know, we used to have, I would go to the gym, you know, real late and, you know, in the evening and get shots up, you know, and do things like that on my own. And he started to come and it was kind of one of the things where he would go on one end, I would go on the other end. And then for whatever reason, you know, one night I was like, Hey, I'm going to go down there. And I'm going to, I'm going to work out, you know, we're gonna, I'm going to put us through a workout. You know, if I'm doing one thing, he's doing another. Why are we doing that? We're teammates. Like, you know, let's go and, you know, let's, let's work out together. But it was one of those things where I was intimidated. You know, he was a junior starter, you know, I, I was a walk on. Right. So it was one of those things where I, I earned their respect, but it was like, I was still a new guy, you know, and I was a walk on and, and all walk ons could, you know, agree with me in that you're in a unique spot, you know, cause you're there but you're there and you're, you know, you're pushing, you know, the scholarship guys. <laughs> so sometimes they don't, they don't like you in practice, you know, when you, maybe you're working a little hard and they're not, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I, we started working out together and then, you know, as the weeks went on, it kind of slowly turned to me working him out, you know? So instead of saying, okay, here's what we're going to do. It was, okay, here's what you're going to do. And I started you know, writing out the workouts, you know, for him. I actually still have a notebook full of the workouts we did. And I was watching game film of him and, you know, breaking down his game film. And and it got to the point where he turned his game around so much that the Pittsburgh newspaper wrote a story on it. I mean, there's a legitimate story on the Pittsburgh Gazette of, you know, us working together. His shooting percentage went from like, 28 percent to like 44 45 or like he almost doubled it and um 
and people say, oh, it's be you know the story was about you know us working together and whatever, and and I'm sure that played a role, but that wasn't me, you know, puffing out my chest saying, look what I did, you know, that was me, you know, just helping a guy and wanting to be involved as much as possible because the role, my role in the team was to help the team, you know, it, it might not have been in the games, but in practice and workouts and film, that was my responsibility, and I think that when all that started to happen, and I saw how much better he got. Um, I kind of had the conversation with him and, you know, I said, you know, okay, what do you think, man? Like, he's like, well, I think, you know, this is, this is your calling, man. Like you do it, you do a great job of teaching and explaining and, you know, all this. And I'm like, well, if I'm going to try to do this, I, you know, I want to make a career out of it. You know, I want to make a living out of basketball. That's always been my goal. And I knew that it wasn't going to be playing. It was going to be coaching. But like I said, I didn't know which way I was going to go. And, um, at that time he was like, Hey, well, you know what? how are you going to be a college athlete and try to, you know, start a business? (laughs) And I'm like, you're right. I I don't know. So I thought at the end of the year, you know, we have some time off before we start summer workouts. And I remember I came home. um, I kind of talked to my parents. I kind of, you know, talked to him. I talked to some people. And it was one of those things where I had to make a big boy decision. You know, it was, hey, are you going to you know, continue to play and try to start this because anyone that's in the training space, especially if you do it full time, it's very, very hard, you know, and I'm fortunate enough to do it full time. So it was one of those things where, hey, you're either going to, you know, stop playing and start training or you're going to try to do both and probably really not be focused on either because you're going to be trying to split so much time between the both, you know, the two of them. And I remember I had the conversation, you know, I went to coach Joel's office and I said, you know, Hey coach, I I think I want to pursue this. And it's funny because he, you know, he was like, you can do it, you know, after you graduate, you know, don't leave. And and I don't say that meaning, Hey, you know, he wanted me to stay because I was, you know, provided, I was scoring 20 points a game. I just think that he saw the value I was providing to the team. So he didn't want to just say, okay, yep, yep. See you later. Thanks. So he kind of was like, yeah, it's a good idea, but I think you could still do it. And I was like, you know what, coach, I'm really, really passionate about this. I, I stopped caring about, you know, helping myself and I started caring more about helping other people. And I think that's the moment like you, like you talked about where I knew, okay, mm-hmm. it, it's time to, you know, hang it up. And to be honest, and you know, I've had a great life. So that's probably why I'm going to say this, but that's probably been the hardest thing I've ever done is, you know, have that conversation with him and say, coach, I'm done playing and I'm going to start training. You know, that, that conversation, I think about that all the time, honestly. And it does, it kind of gives me chills because it was, it was tough to see the look in, you know, my dad's eyes, my mom's eyes, my, you know, my, his eyes, just because I knew how much life was going to change, you know. So that was, like I said, probably the hardest thing I've done, you know, up to this point. Looking back on it, I, I wouldn't change a thing, though. Yeah, I, I just love on this pod when we have our guests and they share their, like, this, the moment where God's just kind of pulling on their gym shorts and taking them in, in the direction that he wants them to, to for, for the, the purpose of their life. It's just, it gives me chills. So, uh, Anthony, was he your first client then? Yes, he was my first official client. Kayvon Stewart, to this day, he's, he's my one of my best friends. It's funny because when we started working together, that's when I kind of also realized how important it is to build relationships. He, I, you know, I only live about an hour from Pittsburgh, so we would go, 
you know, we'd work out and then we'd drive to my house for a dinner. You know, maybe my mom would cook us a nice homemade meal. You know, so like that's when I realized how important building that relationship off the court was to get him to buy into the on the court stuff. You know what I mean? So he was my first official client. And to this day, I thank him all the time for, for, you know, obviously giving me the opportunity, but then also, you know, kind of pushing me in the direction of, you know, doing what I'm doing and kind of giving me that faith. Um, in myself to to take that risk and to take that jump and and walk away from playing. Awesome. So now now I've got some b-ball fundamental questions for you, Anthony. So you said that we we significantly increased his shooting percentage. Now when you're breaking down film on oh, his yes, shot, please, coach, give yeah, this to him, please. Wh- what were the first things that you wanted to change? Did you re- to change his footwork, change his release. You know, what were the things you were looking at to really make these improvements on that? So for him, he had a ton of floaters that he used to shoot and he would always, always, always pull it. So he'd be short and it was because he wasn't pushing the ball. He was flicking his wrist like a shot. And I remember watching it going, that's not how you shoot a floater. You shoot a floater by pushing it and trying to keep your palm open. That's how you get arc on it. And I remember he was always flat. And I remember I would be on the bench and I'd be watching him and he'd shoot it. And I would go, that's going to be short. And it was short and it was short and it was short. So I remember we, before every workout would even start, we would make 150 to 200 floaters, two foot, one foot, left hand, right hand, all hands from all angles. And the other big thing he had was his free throws. He was our point guard and I love him to death. He was a terrible foul shooter. (laughs) He was, it was like one of them things where Late game, he, you couldn't give him the ball because he was either going to miss them both or he was going to split. <laughs> so it was like, we need to make our free throws. And as far as that goes, that was a mechanic thing. He he always, for whatever reason, would have his, his – his, he was left-handed, so his left elbow would be out, and it would be very, very, very ugly looking. And all he had to do was just turn it in. Everything else was fine. Once he turned it in – and finished on his toes because he'd also he would also be flat-footed at times. Once he would do that, shots would go in, and I think his free throw percentage went from like fifty something to almost seventy-seven, maybe seventy-six. Mm-hmm. So that also increased big time. And I think again, that's not me saying, "Oh, I'm great." That's me just saying that he was a testament to, "Hey, if I put in some time and, and I work on what I need to work on, then I'm going to get better." And we would do that before practice, before games. It was funny. We'd go on the road and we'd be doing, you know, our, our normal little routine and we'd have film, like film crews filming us do it. And I'm laughing because the guys on the team are like, why is, you know, Ant getting more, you know, t- t- TV time than we are? He's a walk on. He doesn't even play. You know, it was one of the things where, well, what's going on? But it was it, like, that's kind of like the publicity it got because his game just truthfully, it made like a complete 360. And I think that that, again, is because of him. Pre-practice, obviously, in college, we had a pre-practice routine. And we would, you know, the guards would go on one end, bigs would go on the other. Well, after K started playing better, it was guards over there, bigs over there, you know, Ant and K over there. (laughs) You know, so it was one of those things where I think it became almost like a superstition thing. And it just, again, it it was the commitment on his end. And then he saw results, and that's when I knew, hey, you commit, good things are going to happen. Coach, that's so powerful. And I think as I'm listening to that, obviously the work ethic 
and you got to put in time, you know, is, is so huge. And shooting has just become such a premium, right? If you watch any game and you listen to any player development coach, yourself included, I think they would all say shooting the basketball is is maybe the number one thing that you need to be able to do as a really effective player, right? As we see Steph Curry continue to go off over these last two to three weeks, just unbelievable shooter. If I was, you know, we have a bunch of athletes listening to this pod as well as coaches, um, and I have young athletes as well. I have four kids of my own, all, you know, 14 and younger. If you as a training coach, and I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here, so I apologize. If As a training coach, what would you say would be the three things in terms of a workout, like a drill or, you know, approach to, you know, developing that skill? What are like the three must-haves that you should be doing, you know, you said daily or consistently to improve improve your game? I think first and foremost, learning how to finish off two feet. I, I've i made that a giant priority in my training with, with young kids all the way up, you know, to the professional college players I work with. I think that is one of the most important things. Um, number two, I would say shooting, obviously, like you touched on. As far as that goes, too, I think shooting game shots. You know, you see a lot of, you know, goofy stuff on the Internet. And, uh, like, I just – I like, hey, we're going to go, you know, catch and shoot. Hey, we're going to go, you know, one, one dribble shot fake, you know, pull-ups. You know, we're going to – simple things like that and really, really knowing that player's game you know, as to where, where they get shots, when they get shots, transition shooting would be another one, you know, so get a little bit of conditioning in there. And then lastly, I would say decision-making. I mean, if you can, if you can finish off two feet, make good decisions and make shots, you're going to be a pretty good basketball player. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I think that those would be the three, you know, must haves in my opinion. And I just think that the shooting stuff like I said, shooting game spots, you know, game shots. Don't if you're not a if you're not going to shoot, you know, one dribble pull ups. Don't work on one dribble pull ups. You know, like work on what you need to work on, and um, that's where you see results, at least in my experience. So, coach, I'm going to follow up. So, and again, I deep diving here on the hoop side because you have us intrigued. Yeah. So, when you say finish off a two, can you give us? Uh, I know coach and I have our own teaching, you know, philosophy, language, finishing moves. What are, what are your like basic, what's your basic progression that you would teach a young, young kid, middle school, high school age kid in terms of finishing off too? Is there like a progression that you go through? Yeah, absolutely. So, and don't give it all away. I don't want to take anything away from your business. No. Side, but... Oh no. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, no, we're, we're good. So <laughs> Um, first and foremost, obviously a jump stop. I mean, you start with a jump stop. I know that might not be, you know, a great, you know, sexy thing to work on, but you got a jump stop. And then I think moving from that would be a floater, you know, a two foot floater getting in the paint, whether I like to mix up the footwork. So if we're going to go two foot floater, we'll get, you know, into it out of a jump stop, but then we'll get into it out of, you know, maybe a one, two stop, you know, instead of, you know, jump stop. Cause you know, footwork, Ideally, you'd like to be able to jump stop, but I think that's better balance. But sometimes you might be driving it and you might go, you know, one, two. And then I think moving on from that would be, you know, step through. So pivots, whether you're going to step through and then, you know, step back again. So pivot, pivot, you know, to the rim, then pivot away from the rim. 
Um, that would be my number, you know, my number three. And then lastly, I think would be a stride stop. And that's that one, two stop where you pivot away from the basket. I think that those would be when I, when we're talking about keeping it, you know, fundamental and things I work on with literally I'm working with, uh, I have, you know, an academy right now going on with younger kids. And we actually just got to that point, um, of doing that because those are, simple finishes that even younger kids could understand you know so really really keeping it basic and simple but obviously then when you're talking about finishing off two feet anything with a pivot you know I'm a big pivot guy I love when players are patient when they get in the middle that's why I love watching Villanova play it's a clinic every time I watch them play um so pivoting whether it's like I said to the rim away from the rim um, even to pass you know what I mean I have a drill where I I have players drive the rim get to two and then pivot as many times as they can before obviously three seconds and then pass it out and relocate. You know, so just that idea of getting to two feet and having that progression while keeping it simple, but also, you know, diving into the more, you know, the detailed things rather than just jump stops. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think those would be my be my top four, you know, must haves if I had to pick. That's great. Um, so just a really quick follow-up, and then I'll let Eric jump back in. So when you do your workouts, Coach, are most of them like one-on-one time with you? Are you doing them small group? Are you just mentioned an academy? Like are you doing large group? What do your workouts look like? Yeah, so right now I'm doing a lot of group things with my, with my younger players, um, just because of the time constraint, you know, right now I, I'm, I'm, I'm pulled a lot of different directions. You know what I mean? So right now I, I do a lot of academy stuff, but with that being said, I keep everything small. So I, you know, I, I, I'm not a guy to get, you know, 20 kids in the gym. I like to keep it, you know, six to eight, um, because it's just me, you know, and, and I want to make sure the kids are getting as much individual attention as possible. As far as my individual stuff, that is primarily for, you know, high school, college, professional players. I've had a lot of parents, actually, it's funny you ask that, reach out to me as of late. And as much as I hate to tell them no, I just simply don't have the time right now to be working with, you know, anyone younger than that. On an individual basis, anything younger, um, you know, than that high school um, age. So anything, you know, younger you know, we're looking at small group stuff and then anything older, depending on, like I said, that fit, um, you're probably looking at an individual. So, so coach, coach, I just, I just had, had a question, question. you know, you know in, in your top things that Justin asked in, in your individual sessions, finishing up with two feet, shooting and in transition shooting, um, I, I noticed ball handling was not in there. Is that something that would be more of a, a position thing? As, as we see a lot more positionless basketball, are you pretty much training everyone the same? Or are you just, uh, do you pivot to uh, what their position is? What their field of position is? Yeah, I, I think that, uh, like you touched on it, you know, positionless. I think that I train every every saying the same is a bit you know broad because i if we work together on an individual basis i'm i'm diving extremely deep on your game so there's no cookie cutter stuff when it comes to an individual workout and that's why i'm so selective on who i work with because of the time i put in you know to that particular player um so i would say when it comes to that, it's positionless. It's what your game needs. And as far as ball handling goes, it's funny you ask that. 
I, I, I'll do it, but I'll be honest. I, I got workouts. I'll just give them to players and say, listen, either show up early and do it on your own or do it at home. You know, we, you don't need a hoop. You don't need a gym. You don't need anything. So when we're in the gym, let's maximize that time. You know, let's start with mic and drill. Let's start with form shooting. Let's start with things like that. And then obviously throughout the workout, we're going to add ball handling in if we're going coming off a ball screen or if we're, you know, working on isolation type stuff. So we're going to do ball handling. But that as far as, you know, with older players, younger players, obviously I always start with that because that's the foundation. But when you're talking about older higher level players it's one of those things where i found that my my um workouts are more efficient if we're able to kind of just get in the gym and dive into it you know if you want to warm up come early <laughs> that's what i always tell players and i encourage that but if you come in rolling in late i don't want to mess up the workout by taking up time where we could be doing something that's more efficient where as ball handling you don't need me for ball handling like i said i could give you a workout you could do that on your own I want I want to do stuff where you need me and where we're going to maximize that that hour or whatever it may be in the gym. Anthony, uh, my one last question is like, um, go ahead, coach. Where are, do you feel uh, be, be you pretty much the CEO of your own company working for Clockwork Athletics? Is do you feel that you have the company exactly where you want it? Are you looking to build, or is, is there other ideas that you've got running through your head? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm. I am not even close, not even halfway to being where you know I want to be. My my main goal, and it was funny you asked me that because on on the on the Hoopheads podcast I was on, that we we kind of talked about this, and and I mentioned the idea of traveling. You know, one of my main goals is I want to travel and I want to hold camps. So I want to travel to different states and to different countries and to hold camps. And and after that conversation, it kind of got me thinking. I'm a big goal guy. So I write a lot of stuff down and at the beginning of the new year, you know, obviously this year might be kind of a scratch, you know, due to, you know, COVID and everything going on. But moving forward, you know, I'm going to be specific in that. And my, one of my main goals is I want to hold a camp in Hawaii and I'm not, I'm not really sure why Hawaii, (laughs) Um, but that was just one of those things where I want to travel, you know, the world and I want to teach basketball and that's where I, I want the business to go. Because I want to impact as many players as possible. Impacting players locally is great, and I and I love it. And I know that's the you know that's the steps I have to take. But long term, I obviously would like to maybe bring some people on, you know. But with that being said, I'm I'm going back to me being controlling. I'm very you know hands on, so I want to make sure everything's getting done you know the way I want it to be done. Especially when you're representing you know my brand and my my company. Um, but I would say after you know bringing people on. I would say that idea of you know traveling the world, holding camps, and impacting as many players of all you know ages, skill levels um, as possible. Coach, you said Hawaii because Hawaii is gorgeous, and if you ever, <laughs> it's funny because I, I've never been there, and I think that's partly why too because it's like I've never been there, and I also feel like that there's not a lot of basketball there. You know, like there's not a lot of things going on, so I, I honestly feel like that that would be like an amazing place to impact because I feel like those kids would be so grateful. You know, I've had conversations with people that have gone to, you know, China and Japan, and they always tell me how, you know, more grateful and the gratitude the kids show of you being there versus if I have my, you know, my high school session 
my high school group session on Saturday, those kids show up and yeah, you know, they got, they're a little grateful, but they're kind of like, yeah, it's Saturday. You know, it's basketball. I come every Saturday, (laughs) you know, maybe to kids in Hawaii, maybe that's not a normal thing. So I I think that that's one of the main things. And that goes back to what I've been saying is just that, that impact It, 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 that means, you know, everything to me. Yeah, coach. Hey, listen, we are over our time, but I just want to say, I think you're on the right direction, man. You are, you know, the branding, the stuff you put out is so good. Just keep doing your thing. We really appreciate you coming on though. And if he needs a couple coaches to join him in Hawaii, I, I, I think we both would would volunteer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. We, we would figure that out in a heartbeat, but yeah, coach, um, we appreciate you, man. We are going to do our best to, you know, spread the word. You're only a short little drive. You're in Ohio, right? Yes, sir. I'm in Canfield, so I'm I'm about ten minutes by uh, past Youngstown. So I'm I'm I, the good thing about me, I could go a lot of different places. I could go to PA, I could go to West Virginia, I could go to you know Cleveland. I could I'm all over. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm in a decent nice. spot. Yeah, absolutely. I have some family in Ohio, so that's not too long of a drive for us. A couple hours, we can make it into. And then we always finish. State. We always finish the pod, Anthony, with um, on your chicken wings. Are you having blue cheese, ranch, or another dipping sauce? What kind of wings are they? Are they just plain, or what? what no, kind they're of- like. Let's say they're medium buffalo style. Oh, you got to go with ranch, I think. Then. <laughs> okay. The- okay. I think the balance of flavor. You got to go with ranch. All right. It's always interesting we, the non-Western New York guys. Always interesting. We we have this running poll on here because being from Western New York, Buffalo ranch is like blasphemy. Like that is a word you just don't say. Yeah, it's all blue cheese all the time up here, uh, and it's just it's just what you grow on. But anybody yeah, that we've ever anybody we've ever talked to outside of Western New York has always said ranch. It's yeah. just one of those things that. As a Western New York thing, I guess. Yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess. All good, though. All good. Coach, thank you so much again. If you need anything in the future, uh, you can definitely reach out. And, uh, again, thank you so much. Yes, keep doing your thing. God bless. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. 